If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of November 20, 2022. The podcast that missed the left turn at Albuquerque. This is your host, Shane Killian. First, a quick announcement. Next week is Thanksgiving in the United States, and that means no podcast. After that, there will be two more podcasts in December. After that is Heather's birthday, followed by Christmas. So that'll be it until our year-end review. Let's re-emphasize the news of the bogus. So once again, we see how much governments hate privacy as the EU's plans to ban privacy-enhancing cryptocurrencies comes to light. Some cryptos, like Monero, use cryptographic techniques to obfuscate the information in transactions to keep it private except to the parties involved in the transaction. Some others, like Zcash, use zero-knowledge systems where one can prove possession of the information without revealing the information. And still others, like Dash, aren't privacy coins, but have on-network options for mixing coins to keep transactions untraceable. Governments don't like that because for some reason they think it's so important that your barista be able to trace all your funds. They love to use money laundering as an excuse as to why you can't have financial anonymity, a combination of pre-crime and guilty until proven innocent. The legislative draft reads, Credit institutions, financial institutions, and crypto asset service providers shall be prohibited from keeping anonymity-enhancing coins. It's part of a plan to ban large cash transactions and create a new anti-money laundering agency. Crypto asset providers will be obliged to verify the identity of their customers, even if they're only making occasional transfers less than a thousand euros, putting far more onerous rules on them than for banks. Even if you're outside the EU, you'd still need to verify whether the other party is licensed and that they have proper money laundering controls in place. There are already incredible privacy-destroying regulations for people trading ordinary cryptocurrency, and additional regulations called MICA, or Markets in Crypto Assets, go into effect next year, covering not only cryptos themselves, but DeFi and NFTs as well. These are extra rules imposed on people who use privacy coins like Monero or even with a privacy option like Dash. This attack on the anonymity of innocent people comes on the heels of U.S. sanctions imposed against Tornado Cash, the first time sanctions were used against a decentralized protocol. And, of course, we can expect the collapse of FTX to be used as an excuse to regulate the whole of crypto space when the problems had absolutely nothing to do with crypto and everything to do with FTX funneling money to political cronies. And again, there seems to be no voice anywhere in the political arena for the very real, very legitimate, very legal reasons why people would want to make untraceable transactions. The only reason given for these is terrorism, money laundering, and child abuse. But they have to put these regulations in place on things that are already illegal, that are already happening several other ways, and the only difference here is that the benefits of privacy are now finally available to ordinary law-abiding people. Privacy is a right, not a crime. 
If you're looking for a way to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand ads, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to follow the link to odyssey.com to listen to the podcast and see all of my YouTube videos as well. Just watching videos will produce cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. And since Odyssey is always monetized and never censored, you'll have no problem seeing all the videos from your favorite creators. You can also use the library credits you created Odyssey to tip creators and even purchase paid content. Earn library credits through various rewards, including daily view rewards and the number of shares and invites. And you can interact with creators in all sorts of ways, including like and dislike, comment, boost a post by supporting it, repost it, and share to other sites, all while earning crypto for the creator. Easily monetize yourself and your favorite creators using cryptocurrency without advertising. Use the link below to visit this channel on odyssey.com and see many of your other favorites there as well. The problem with regulations isn't that they'll succeed, they'll fail, but cause a whole lot of problems in the interim. Case in point, California's failed gun regulations. Two decades ago, after a mass shooting in Chicago, California passed a law creating a database identifying thousands of people who were legally armed, but now considered to be too dangerous. Whether it was due to a criminal conviction, a mental health diagnosis, or an active restraining order, California decided they needed a way to confiscate firearms from these individuals. In other words, it's basically the first red flag law. It never worked, and administration after administration after administration promised to fix the problems, and never could. To date, their list of individuals ordered to surrender their firearms has grown to over 24,000. The pandemic only made it worse, with additional names being added all the time, while state Justice Department officials struggle to keep up with their caseload. Enforcement has been frustrated due to the incompetence of both state and local law enforcement and judges. And when there has been action, law enforcement officers discovered numerous errors during operations, which led them to conclude that investigations based on the list are a waste of time and resources. But there just seems to be no rationality anywhere among those who are trying to force compliance. Like the Violence Prevention Research Program at UC Davis, whose director, Garen Wintemute, said, quote, We've made a decision as a society that there are people who, for a constellation of reasons, should not be allowed to have a firearm. Are we going to enforce that social decision or not? Of course, it's not a social decision. It's a decision of narcissistic sociopathic politicians who don't understand why pre-crime is a bad thing. And there's no reliable information on how many guns have been confiscated, how many voluntarily turned in their firearms, and how many remain armed. In fact, at least one person on this list not only had firearms, but was actively trafficking them. And that doesn't even consider all the people who have been wrongly added to the list who have had to go through years of red tape to get themselves off of it. Julia Weber of the Giffords Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence said, quote, it's very frustrating to see that we have such a hard time implementing firearms removals in situations where we have all the information in front of us. It doesn't give the public a lot of confidence in our ability to tackle a lot of these more complex firearm issues. Not even throwing money at the problem is solving it. 
Following the Sandy Hook shooting in 2012, California added $24 million to the effort, with the Justice Department saying they could reduce the backlog by 40%. They couldn't. State Attorney General Rob Bonta has vowed to fix the law. Again. Should work about as well as the last several times this was promised. This law was seen as low-hanging fruit, something common sense that everyone could get behind, taking guns only from criminals and dangerous individuals. But it doesn't work, and they can't make it work. And it's only going to get worse now that 3D printing is a thing. And if they can't even do this, how can they accomplish their other stated goals regarding firearm bans? If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government sensors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. One of the most outrageous relics from the time before the Revolutionary War is the concept of criminal defamation. Ordinarily, defamation is a civil matter. If you make a false statement about someone, they sue you in civil court and get monetary damages. They can also, in rare cases, get an injunction saying you must do or not do something, such as ceasing the defaming activity or issuing a public apology. Criminal is a different matter. This is when government can actually prosecute you for your speech and sentence you to finer imprisonment. And even worse, in a civil court, you have to show that the false speech caused harm. In a criminal court, you need to make no showing of harm whatsoever. Criminal libel laws were used against colonists who dared speak out against Parliament and the Crown. It was one big reason, albeit one of many, for the Revolution and later the First Amendment. After that, this should have been a thing of the past, but the laws remained in place because no one ever bothered to repeal them or no one has challenged their constitutionality. The closest the Supreme Court came to overturning it was in Garrison v. Louisiana, where they overturned the criminal conviction of New Orleans DA Jim Garrison, who had made statements attacking eight state judges. The court ruled that malicious statements made against public officials were still protected under the First and Fourteenth Amendment, even if they were false and made with ill will. But they stopped short of getting rid of criminal libel entirely, even though two justices, William O. Douglas and Hugo Black, said it should be eliminated, saying in Black's words, Under our Constitution, there is absolutely no place in this country for the old, discredited English Star Chamber law of seditious criminal libel. So it's no surprise that where they are in place, they're abused by government officials. 
And often, the process is the punishment. Just the threat of prosecution can be worse than the outcome of a civil lawsuit, and people tend to knuckle under. So there never really gets to be a good First Amendment challenge to it. Criminal libel laws are still on the books in Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Idaho, Illinois, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Mississippi, Montana, Nevada, New Mexico, North and South Carolina, North Dakota, Ohio, Oklahoma, Utah, Virginia, Wisconsin, and as in this story, New Hampshire. So recently, New Hampshire resident Robert Fries attacked Exeter Police Chief William Shoup on social media, calling him corrupt and saying he covered up for dirty Exeter police officers. So Shoup had Fries arrested. New Hampshire's criminal libel offense is a Class B misdemeanor, which generally gets a citation. But in this case, he was arrested. Yeah, great way to show you're not corrupt there, Shoup. When it became clear that Fries was ready to find it, the police dropped the charge, saying, quote, In further review by the Attorney General's Office of the Facts of This Case and the Law, it is their opinion that the state would not prevail at trial. Gee, you don't say. But Fries didn't back down. He went ahead with his First Amendment challenge. Good for him. Unfortunately, the First Circuit Court of Appeals has ruled that criminal defamation is perfectly constitutional and A-OK by them. And they didn't just deny the First Amendment challenge, they also rejected the 14th Amendment's guarantee of the void for vagueness doctrine, as well as rejecting the argument that the law creates a subjective standard rather than an objective one, as well as other clauses limiting access to court-appointed attorneys, as well as jury trials. And it's baffling when you read Judge Thompson's concurrence, which actually reads like a well-written dissent, but does the equivalent of throwing up his hands and saying, oh well, I guess there's nothing we can do. He wrote, For today's purposes, it suffices to say that these laws have their genesis in undemocratic systems that criminalized any speech criticizing public officials. True, that is not today's American system per se, but like it or not, that is where our system's roots lie, and even in view of the rightly heightened standards we deploy when reviewing laws that restrict speech, it is remarkable that we are still confronting laws criminalizing speech at all. And after basically admitting that the only way these laws can be enforced is by abusing them, he wrote, I haven't spied any requirement that, to bring a criminal prosecution, one must demonstrate the criminal charges being pursued because a civil suit just wouldn't cut it for some legitimate reason or another. This brings me back to the reality that criminal defamation laws are all too easily wielded as a silencing threat of punishment for speech. By my lights, criminal defamation laws, even the ones that require knowledge of the falsity of the speech, simply cannot be reconciled with our democratic ideals of robust debate and uninhibited free speech. And so I echo the concern voiced by Justice Douglas in Garrison, a concern as valid today as it was nearly 60 years ago. It is disquieting to know that one of seditious libel's instruments of destruction is abroad in the land today. Well, then why didn't you dissent? This is an appellate court. You can do that. If this is allowed to stand, then what couldn't be criminal in New Hampshire? Exaggeration, hyperbole, satire, all of that could be deemed every bit as false as Freeze's comments, and this court, according to this ruling, would have to let the charges stick. The ACLU, who filed the lawsuit on Freeze's behalf, said in a statement, quote, 
Freedom of speech doesn't give anyone the absolute right to spread malicious lies about people, but civil lawsuits are fully capable of addressing the harms caused by defamation. Several states have repealed these unconstitutional laws in recent years, and the remaining ones that still have them on the books should follow suit. Here's hoping, and hopefully one of these suits will make it to the Supreme Court, where criminal libel can be ruled blatantly unconstitutional once and for all. Do you have children, or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling, or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins, and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary-aged children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now it's time to armor plate this week's Biggest Bogun Emitter. And it's a joint one for the U.S. Department of Justice and the Federal Bureau of Investigation for... Well, I'll have to cover it before you'll believe it. Yes, this is about the raid on Trump's Mar-a-Lago home and the documents retrieved, some with classified markings. And ever since then, Democratic politicians, news media pundits, and social media snowflakes have been screeching about all the harm this caused and the threat of Trump having the contents of these documents. Of course, until they disclose the contents, people can fill in whatever they want with their imaginations and feel perfectly justified in doing so. So first it was about nuclear codes, then it was about corruption, then it was about obstruction of justice, then it was just about money. And now, with all of their other motives completely fizzling, the DOJ and the FBI are saying that Trump kept the documents out of ego. If having a gigantic ego was a crime, then just build prison walls all around Washington, D.C. The story, published in the Washington Post, says, quote, Federal agents and prosecutors have come to believe that former President Donald Trump's motive for allegedly taking and keeping classified documents was largely his ego and a desire to hold on to the materials as trophies or mementos. Gee, you mean like all presidents have done when taking documents for their presidential libraries? All of this is, according to people familiar with the matter, who leaked the information to WAPO about documents the DOJ said shouldn't be left in Trump's hands because he might leak information about them. Quote, As part of the investigation, federal authorities reviewed the classified documents that were recovered from Trump's Mar-a-Lago home and private club. Looking to see if the types of information contained in them pointed to any kind of pattern or similarities, according to these people who spoke on the condition of anonymity to discuss an ongoing investigation. That wasn't me, folks. That bit of satire just wrote itself. Quote, That review has not found any apparent business advantage to the types of classified information in Trump's possession, these people said. FBI interviews with witnesses so far, they said, 
also do not point to any nefarious effort by Trump to leverage, sell, or use the government secrets. Instead, the former president seemed motivated by a more basic desire not to give up what he believed was his property, these people said. So, exactly what Trump said all along. So basically, no nuclear Armageddon. At least not from this, we'll have to see how the Ukraine war shakes out. So all of that makes the DOJ and the FBI this week's biggest bogan emitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now a rare treat, the second Silver Cluon Award for 2022. Yeah, I know, it seems like these are more and more rare as time goes on, but that makes it all the more refreshing to see that The Onion still has it. They filed an amicus curiae brief to the Supreme Court in the case of Novak v. City of Parma about an Ohio law that basically makes satire illegal. In support of the filing by the Institute for Justice, their brief, in classic Onion fashion, begins, quote, The Onion is the world's leading news publication, offering highly acclaimed, universally revered coverage of breaking national, international, and local news events. Rising from its humble beginnings as a print newspaper in 1756, The Onion now enjoys a daily readership of 4.3 trillion and has grown into the single most powerful and influential organization in human history. The 23-page brief goes on like that, but just to hit a few highlights, quote, Americans can be put in jail for poking fun of the government? This was a surprise to America's finest news source and an uncomfortable learning experience for its editorial team. Indeed, Ohio police officers' arrest, prosecute man who made fun of them on Facebook, might sound like a headline ripped from the front pages of The Onion, albeit one that's considerably less amusing because its subjects are real. They point out that this would threaten The Onion's business model. They regularly poke fun at various regimes and the Sixth Court's ruling imperils discourse. And then they said, quote, Put simply, for parody to work, it has to plausibly mimic the original, which, beautifully, they were doing here. Parody, as they point out, has to mimic the real thing, as that is its unique capacity to critique the real thing. They also rejected the idea that a reasonable reader should need a disclaimer to know that parody is parody. Are you listening, Elon? They conclude, this court has traditionally been hesitant to chill speech, and the prospect of chilling parody by imprisoning its practitioners provides equal cause for caution. 
The Onion intends to continue its socially valuable role of bringing the disinfectant of sunlight into the halls of power. And it would vastly prefer that the sunlight not be measured out to its riders in 15-minute increments in an exercise yard. I have to say it, Onion, you finally upped the Babylon Bee. So enjoy your shiny new silver on. Hurl it at the next judge who needs some sense knocked into him. And now let's percolate this week's... Idiot And this week it goes to New Jersey Assemblyman John F. McKeon for comments he made regarding New Jersey's new gun control bill A4769, the Carry Killer Bill. Basically, since the Supreme Court has left open the possibility of restricting guns in sensitive places, the bill would make the entire state of New Jersey a sensitive place. This isn't just a slippery slope, it's a sheer cliff face! These particular comments surround the case of an African-American woman, Petra Roden, age 43, of Patterson. Assemblyman Robert Auth related the case to Nick Luciano, CEO of Safeway Out, which helps survivors of domestic violence and human trafficking. Are you uh, familiar with um, Petra Roden? And she, she was um, a woman who was murdered back in October 4th, 2019, doing a DoorDash in Patterson, New Jersey? Yes. She was ambushed. She eventually was chased down where... Her car ran off the road into a fence and into a shed behind somebody's house after she had been shot, and she died. And her children, uh, three children who were survivors, and they all spoke highly of, of their mother and how she really didn't think it was a dangerous thing to be making delivery in Patterson. Now, when I mentioned this story the last time we met, I, I read the entire article and then one of my colleagues uh, tried to dismiss the article as not being relevant because, well, she was shot in the back and she wouldn't have been able to defend herself with a gun. So it really wasn't relevant to, to what we're talking about today. Could you elaborate? Do you think Miss Ro- Petra Roden from Patterson, New Jersey, may have had an opportunity to defend herself and she had a carry permit and was able to have um, a firearm in her car, considering uh, the type of work that she was engaged in. Absolutely. If, um, you know, from my understanding of that case, she, she attempted to drive afterwards and evade. And, you know, based accessing the weapon, even if she is not returning perfectly accurate fire, I mean, she might be able to at least stop the attack and drive out of there and get to a hospital. Um, I, you know, I'm not a psychic. I can't say one way or the other. People have different training abilities. Under stress, people do different things. However, she certainly would have had a better chance than what happened, because what happened, she died, and there's no chance. So at a minimum, a 1% chance is better than a 0% chance, which is all these women want, a chance to defend themselves. She had none. So later in the hearing, Auth said, That woman was just trying to feed her family, and you're telling me, you're telling the state of New Jersey, that no, we really don't think she's, one, responsible enough to be able to do that by following all the laws that are laid out for her to use. And two, 
that she's just a competent person. Why? Well, maybe because she lives in Patterson. Or maybe uh, we just don't like the way she looks. Maybe it's she's a woman. All these things that we are supposed to be blind to, who knows why somebody would say she's not qualified or she shouldn't have it. I say she should have it. I say if someone feels the need to protect themselves for a given reason, whether it's domestic violence, you're in a tough neighborhood, whatever the reason is. So that gets us to McKeon's response. Take a listen. Do either of you, does anybody really want to put more guns in the hands of people that live in Patterson and Newark and Elizabeth and Camden to say here, oh, the money you're charging isn't fair? That'll make things safer? Please. Those are all predominantly black areas where Newark is over 50% black. And they're all white minority cities, less than 15% white in each of them, the lowest being Camden, which is 5.3% white. They're also mostly impoverished cities. So basically, he's saying he's afraid of poor black people owning guns. Whereas in McKeon's own district, only 12.9% are black and 61.7% are white, with a poverty rate of less than 5%. Once again, the racism of gun control rears its ugly head. And in case you're wondering how seriously McKeon takes his oath of office, we're trying to exercise our wisdom within the ambit of the Constitution and the decision that's before us in coming up with reasonable regulation. I can't guarantee that it will be constitutional at all. Dang! So how does he justify his support of gun control, which he admits is unconstitutional and inadvertently admitted as racist? Listen to him sum it up better than any gun control proponent we've heard yet. Man, we've got to vote what we feel. And if nothing else, you got to respect that, because that's how I feel. Yes, his fifis take priority over the Constitution he swore an oath to, and over the lives of poor black people like Roden. But really, I have to love the fact that he said the quiet part out loud. So all of that makes John McKeon this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this A Triumph for Stupidity Over Common Sense edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion. Subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar and you can listen early and ad-free. Thank you for listening. Remember, no podcast next week because of Thanksgiving. Until next time, here's a quote from H.L. Mencken. Probably the worst thing that has happened in America in my time is the decay of confidence in the courts. No one can be sure anymore that in a given case, they will uphold the plainest mandate of the Constitution. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial Low Derivatives 4.0 International License. Bogosity. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. 
and the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now.